Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. How to dad well. <laughs> it's a bit strange a title, but but you know, um, uh, there's a lot of examples of really bad fathers in the Bible. I don't know if you know about this. Um, if you look into the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, for inspiration um, as to how to be a great father, you're going to find a whole lot of really bad dads who did amazing things. Like, and, and there's one of the things about the Bible, you're like, what is going on? Like, you're reading the Bible and then you're reading and reading all the good things about what this person has done and then all of a sudden you realize, hold on a second, how come they've got 500 wives or... You know, how come they went and slept with that chick and how come they killed that guy? And it's like, you're like, what is going on here? Um, and uh, one of those, one of those, uh, one of the, the main reason why that, those stories are in the Bible is to point to Jesus and to point to God because God was the only perfect one. Every, every man that came before him, although they may have been all right to some degree, uh, and they did some great things, they were in need of God badly. And if it wasn't for God's grace, they would never have been what they were. And isn't it the same for you and I, dads? If it wasn't for God's grace and dads-to-be, if it's not for God's grace, I'm telling you something, we would be a big mess, I'm telling you. At least I would be. Maybe I'm alone in that. Uh, maybe I'm the only one. One of those dads was a guy called King David. Anybody heard of him? King David? And you may have heard a lot of sermons about King David if you've been around in the church for a little while. And, you know, the main one is the, the whole, you know, David and Goliath sermon. I mean, it's a great sermon. I could preach David and Goliath the story, and you would go out from here really inspired, like, yes, I'm going to take down my giant. I've just got one stone, and I'm going to throw that at that big giant, and that's what God's given me. And that's an inspirational, amazing sermon, but we often skip over a lot of the, the other stuff that happened in David's life that uh, made him look like, well, not so great, not so great. And uh, the sad thing about David is um, uh, a lot of the stuff that he harbored and kept going and kind of held on to for his whole life affected his legacy. It's, it's not until the end of his life that we begin to see these things coming out and you're like, what is going on? Who is this guy? He goes and he goes, he's meant to be at war and uh, his army's out at war and he sees this, you know, hot thing on the roof next door, this girl who's like bathing herself and, um, you know, I don't know what she's doing on the roof naked bathing, but she was and uh, David happened to be on his roof having a bit of a perv, uh, do we use that word here? Okay, he's having a bit of a look-see and he says, I want some of that and then he goes and gets it because he's the king, she says, all right, no problem and uh, next thing she's pregnant and next thing David has to kill the, he's one of the main one of the main guys in David's army, he has to pull that guy back to make it look like, you know, he suddenly pulls him out of war and uh, says, you know, I'm just giving you a night with your wife and you can, for being such a good soldier, he's such a good soldier that he doesn't go in while, you know, he doesn't go into his house 
while his, while his army is out to war. So he stays outside. So David's messed up. He doesn't know what to do. So of course he just has to murder him. Okay, he just murders him, murders this guy so he doesn't get found out and, uh, and becomes a murderer. He's firstly an adulterer, then he's a murderer. And then, and then this, this kind of sort of behavior where he's trying to cover up things, he's trying to harbor things, keeps on going on and it affects the end of his life. It's really, really sad. But I'm going to pick it up, um, the story uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 15 and I'm going to read the story through. Now, this is a story about a guy called Absalom. So, so he had lots of wives, okay? And, uh, you know, just, just, to, just to let you know, uh, just because a guy like David had lots of wives, um, it doesn't mean that we can, okay? Just, just a, we don't, uh, we don't. If you, you can see that whenever these kings, like Solomon, even his son did it, uh, all of their trouble came from these extra, extra, extra wives that they had. Not that there was a problem with the wives, there's a problem with the man, thinking that he could control that many women and have that many women within his kind of thing just because of the, you know, why they do it, you know, just for the, the, the funny cuddles, you know. It's, it's, it's like, it's, a, you can, it's not just about that. It's a, these are human beings, these are God's people. And uh, we were created to have one wife and... Um, and that is the perfect way it is meant to be. So, so David had many wives, so he had many sons. One of these sons, his name was Absalom, okay? And Absalom, well, Absalom had a sister called Tamar, and uh, one of David's other sons from a different mother, okay? There's a chap who fell in love with Tamar, and it was a bit weird because uh, kind of related, but sort of not related. And, uh, well, he ended up raping her. And uh, the thing is, is David, he never dealt with it. He never dealt with it. He never did anything about it. He, he didn't say anything about it. He just let it go. But Absalom, Tamar's brother, well, he didn't want to let it go. And here's David at the end of his life, the end of his legacy, and Absalom begins to rise up against him because he never deals with the stuff that he should be dealing with. And he was a bad dad as a result of it. And today, th this message is not to make anyone feel like a bad dad, because uh, that, is, that is not what you came here for today, and that is not what I'm here to do. But what I want to do is, is I want to just look at something where we can easily fall into the traps, the same traps that David fell into. Maybe we won't go and do all of the crazy thing that's, things that David did. But the point of this story is to help us to understand that the things that we try to hide, the things that we try to cover up, the things that we try to carry, the things that we try to pretend aren't there, in the end actually will come out and bite us harder later if we don't deal with them right now. And, and, and in, in terms of how to dad well, I think this is, this is something that we can be encouraged that it's okay to have some flaws. It's okay to have some, some issues in your world where God is working it out in you. Who knows what I'm talking about? Where God is working these flaws out in you. But, but the moment you try to be like David and pretend there's no issues is when things can get a little funky. So let's read this story. Absalom's conspiracy. In the, in the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot 
and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint he placed to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. Okay, you hear this? This Absalom's a smart chap. Okay, so, so just imagine, here's King David, the greatest king Israel has ever seen. And, I mean, this guy is loaded rich. He is in his castle. He's up there. And there's his son down where all the normal people are saying things like this. If only, if only there was someone to meet you. If only I was that one. You see what he's doing, right? He's garnering power. He's very smart. He's very smart. Okay? And, uh, and Absalom would add, if only if I was appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me and I would see that they would receive justice. Justice. Now, the interesting thing about Absalom is he carried injustice in his heart about his sister, Tamar. Do you understand? It's interesting when a person carries injustice doesn't make the injustice wrong, but when we use injustice or any wrongdoing as our motivation, how that ends up overtaking us. And that's what we see with Absalom. This didn't end well for Absalom. And then it says in verse 5, also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Okay, Absalom would do something interesting. He would reach out his hand, take a hold of him, and kissed him. Now, the king would never do that. He would never touch, because he's a king, right? So here's Absalom. He's ministering out of his, his injustice, and ministering out of, out of the, 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 the stuff that's going on in his heart, and it's driving him. And verse 6 says, Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord while your servant was living in Geshur and Aram. He went away to there for a little while. I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messages throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied, had accompanied Absalom, they had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for, you can say this name, Ahithophel from the, Gil the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger eventually goes back to King David. And he says, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee 
or none of us will escape from Absalom. We, will, we must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him. Here's David at the end of his life, in what should have been the legacy years, in what should have been the time where everything is going right, in, 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 in what should have been the moment of glory running from his own son. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him along with the Kerathites, the Palathites and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. But there's a few points I want to bring out of this story. Um, just to help you, and, and, and this, this preach that I'm doing today is actually something that um, God has really been speaking to me about at a personal level. Um, and uh, it's a little bit more... Uh, organic, I suppose, than my normal preaching. I normally have a lot more points and it's a bit more, bit more polished. But this today is, is something that when I read about this story, I get really challenged by it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. First, the first reason is our success will never be enough to cover our weakness. Our success will never be enough to cover our weakness. You've got to understand this about David. He was feared. He was a mighty king. I mean, there had never been a king like him. And he stepped in at a time in Israel's history when Israel was in trouble because of a king called Saul, their first king who just messed it up. And, and David was God's new and chosen and appointed king. And he did a great thing for the nation of Israel coming in as king and doing what he did. He did a great job, but, but, but the problem with us dads, the problem with us men sometimes is we think that our successes speak louder than our weakness. But in fact, the opposite is true. Have you ever gotten to that place I know I have, and it's a shameful place, where you've said to someone, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? Do you know how much power I wield? <laughs> and we think we're saying that in strength, but we're actually saying it in weakness. And whenever those words come out, those people that we say these things to, now, yeah, well, you might be someone, but I can see that you're weak because you have to say that. You know what I mean? We, we, we get into these situations where we think we are strong, but really we are weak and we are in need. I just want to talk about this for a moment. Our success will never be enough to cover our weakness. We do all sorts of things, even as parents, even as dads. And I'm, I'm, today I'm guilty of this, where we hope that our children would look at all the good things that we've done to balance out all of the naughty and bad things that we've done. But it's not the case. Just like with Absalom, 
Absalom, because of injustice, got his whole life from it, got his whole call from it. And Absalom never, never thought for a second, look at what David has done to build this city. Look what David has done to build Israel. Look at all of the great things. And, 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 and oftentimes we do this, we just want our kids to look at all the good things and ignore all the bads, but that's not how it works, unfortunately. I would love it if it did. Anybody else with me on that? Just ignore, and who's, who's been in the arguments with, with, with your wife where, where you've been telling them all of the great things that you've been doing when they're bringing up some things that you need to work on? Okay, am I the only one in that one? I mean, I've just seen movies about it, you know. I've never, never. Just kidding, I, I have had that a lot, you know, and Rachel is amazing at doing that with me and she, we have talked through so many, and we're still growing in that, in that communication. She's an amazing wife, but, but, but we, we do this, don't we? Where we think that our strength makes up for our weakness. Let me tell you something. I'm here today as your pastor to release you from that notion because it is actually not true. Now, I know that it does this for us. It, it brings us to this place, well, what do I do with all of this stuff inside of me? And doesn't what I've done that's good count? Well, to some degree, but it doesn't make up for the weakness. What do we do with that weakness, therefore? What should have David have done? You know, David never went to his son, Absalom, and said, I'm sorry. He never went to his boy, who was broken that his sister had been raped. Because he was too busy being successful, too busy being the big guy, too busy being this and that, that he never saw the heart of his own son. You may never be able to make up for your weaknesses, but you can be big enough as a father to stop and say, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. And I think within Australian culture, maybe you can help me understand Indian culture a little more and more, but I, for, there are some parallels. There are some parallels that I have noticed as I've been working here in the past five years as a church planter, is that we don't like to show any weakness whatsoever. The newspaper goes up, it doesn't get talked about, that's that. Who knows what I'm talking about? And you know those things, they hurt the little ones. They hurt our little ones. And they begin to carry those things in their hearts. They begin to walk with those things in their lives and, and it actually causes them to begin to live in a certain way that we don't even know that we're inducing because we are never big enough to own up to weakness. Come in. <laughs> the second point. Now, I, I know this is a heavy sermon. But I, and I know you didn't come here for a heavy sermon. I know you came here for something positive. But let me tell you something. Everything in Christ is positive. I wouldn't be able to preach about this if, if, if Jesus wasn't the one who was the strong one for us. When we begin to realize that he was the one who was perfect, he was the one 
who was the great father. He was the one that came to represent what it is to live without sin, not us. When we begin to realize that all we have to do is begin to follow him, we can get set free from the notion that it's thinking it's okay to be weak. I'm not saying it's okay to go and do dumb things as a dad. There will be consequences for every action that you do. I'm not saying that it's okay to go ahead and sin, but I am saying this. You will mess up. There will be moments where you make mistakes. There will be moments where you show weakness, but you must not, you must not, in those moments, ever, ever think that those are things that you need to cover up. Never, ever fall into that trick. Because your success will never be enough to cover your weakness. Amen? The second, the second thing I want to bring out of this is what, will allow, what you allow will try to devour you. What you allow will eventually try to devour you. What we allow will eventually try to devour us. You see, Absalom became what he was because David allowed something. He allowed a message that it was okay that Tamar was raped. And why did David allow that? I don't know. I don't understand. We are not from that culture. where I, We are not from that place where women, you know, were treated as they were back then. Maybe in certain parts of our nation, you know, some of the injustice that we've seen and some of these things that have happened, we would go, there are parts even of here, of this nation, where it's probably the same, where women just weren't treated as they should rightly be. But it brought about this reactionary behavior in Absalom. And he reacted to it in such a way that it was enough to take out David from his kingdom. And eventually David got it back. But it was a mark. It was a mark on his whole legacy. Because what you allow in your world will eventually devour you. Now, how, 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 does this, uh, how does this apply to us? Well, like this. We, we find ourselves saying things like this. I'm young now, and this applies to everybody, not just the fathers, not just the dads and men and all of those sorts of... This is everyone. I'm young, eventually it's going to get better. There's certain things in our lives, certain stuff that we don't deal with. David didn't deal with Absalom. He should have gone and dealt with it, but he didn't. There's certain things in our lives that we have to deal with that we put off because we think, oh, it'll get better. It'll just go away. It'll just sort itself out. Eventually, this will just sort itself out and they'll get over it and I'll get better. You know, just give me another chance. Help me to, help me to work through this. I'm sorry, you know. And we just, we just think we can just paste it all over. And things like offense, things like unforgiveness, Stuff that has happened in our life. Maybe there's injustice. Maybe there's stuff that's been, that's been done to us. Maybe there's a certain sort of person that we just react to every time. And we don't know why, but we don't really want to deal with it because they, we just don't like them. Because we don't want to actually find out what it is in us that hates that person so much. Do you understand? That would react to that person. We don't want to, we don't want to do the hard 
the heart sort of looking, looking in the mirror. You know, the offence we carry now, whatever offence that you carry now, turns into bitterness. And bitterness alters character. This is why we see Absalom turn into this boy who was just a mess. This is why we see David turn into this guy who is just sort of covering up stuff because of offense, because of stuff that he's not dealing with properly. I'm, I turned 40 last year. I'm not that old. I'm still a young man. But, uh, you know, one of the things at 40, and those of you who are older than me, um, I salute you and uh, my respect is to you. But as, as you get older, you begin to realize that things don't get better, they get worse. What you're not dealing with, you, you think you're young, if you're below 30, okay, and there's a lot of young adults in this room, or if you're around 30, or if you like, don't want to admit what age you are, whatever it is, okay, you, we have this optimism that things are going to get better. I'm here to tell you something, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. The offense that you're carrying right now turns into bitterness. Have you ever seen a really, really old person, like a really old person? They're just really bitter and you've wondered, why are they so bitter? Why are they so grumpy? I'm not looking at anyone today and saying that's you if you're older people here today. I'm not saying, but what, what, you know, it's like, have you ever come across those people? I used to do a lot of old people's homes. I, uh, in Australia, I, was, uh, um, I used to run an air conditioning company and we used to look after these old people's homes and there would be hundreds of these old people all in little cubicles in these. They look after them much better here. You actually get your family to look after you in, in, in India. In Australia, they just put you in, a, in an old people's place. And I used to look after these and a lot of these people were bitter, twisted, grumpy old people. And I'd be like, how did they get there? Because they spent a lifetime thinking it would get better. It doesn't. It doesn't. See, this is, I think, what David was going on about. I think this is what was happening with David. I think David just thought Absalom would get better. But it doesn't. It got way worse. Because what you allow will eventually try to devour you. You understand? What you allow will eventually try to devour you. So, what's the answer? saying, what, what's the point of this sermon? Why, what, what, is he trying to make me really feel really, really bad about myself? No. I'm trying to help you to understand that in Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can actually begin to deal with stuff that we need to deal with in our lives. That, that those things, those offenses, the way that you deal with people certain times, the way that you don't want to talk to this person and you, you, you have a problem with them but, but you know because they just annoy you and what is that about that maybe there are just annoying people out there but sometimes who knows what I'm talking about but sometimes it's stuff in us that we're not dealing with that we would just like to prefer we would prefer to keep everyone at bay and just surround ourselves with people that, that kind of sing the same chorus in our lives but not deal with the real heart issues. But let me tell you something. What you allow will eventually devour you.
it'll eventually take over. How do we apply this to our lives? Well, first, first is the whole idea, the whole notion of having a repentant heart before God. This is one of the differences with being a follower of Christ and every other following of whatever you want or else, what else do you want to follow? This is a big difference. Is you come before God acknowledging your sin, acknowledging your brokenness. Religion teaches us that we have to come before God with something, showing Him what we've done, right? That's what religion teaches us. The gospel the news of the Bible tells us that we need to come before God knowing our brokenness and knowing how much we need Him. See, that's a repentant heart. That's why I'm okay with preaching this kind of heavy sermon today because I know the message for you is actually positive. As you begin to realize your success ain't going to cover your weakness and what you allow in your world is, is actually going to devalue if you don't deal with it. How do I deal with it? A repentant heart. If there's stuff in your world I'm telling you something, when your children get older, dads, and as you have children, if you can remember these things, it's going to help you to dad really well. That your children can see your weakness. Who knows? And that speaks way louder than your strengths. But when they see you, with a repentant heart, you will model to them the way of the gospel, which is the way that will actually save them. Do you understand? I've had some really crazy conversations with my eight-year-old boy. Willow's not quite old enough. Willow this morning, as Rachel got the kids to pray for me for Father's Day, Willow prayed for my brains to be good. I think she said, I pray that daddy's brains will be well. For some reason, <laughs> I don't know why she prayed that. It was the funniest. Rachel and I were like, <laughs> yes, God. And Elijah prayed for me. But you know, Elijah and I, if we've had moments where I've had to answer some of the questions that he's had about my weaknesses. And it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I didn't think you noticed. He noticed. Eight-year-old boy, he noticed. He carries it. And uh, the challenge is to remember my success as a dad, all those times I've spent time with him, all the, the presents I've bought him, all the hard work I've done, doesn't cover my weakness. But who does? Jesus. And I can say to my boy, you know, your daddy's broken. You know, I've made mistakes. I've done the wrong thing from time to time. And son, I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. We need Jesus to cover us. And it actually helps with the second point where when Elijah's older, the gospel is at work in his life where I haven't just brushed things under the rug and pretended it weren't weren't there. I haven't allowed it because I know that these things will devour if we allow. 
So have a repentant heart. Lead your children in repentance. Deal. Can I, can I, can I just, for all of this is for all of us. Deal with offense head on. Deal with the pain of your past head on. Because what you allow will eventually devour you. If there is things in your world that you don't talk about, that you're too ashamed to ever bring up because it's offense, it's injustice, with the right people, trusted confidence, with wisdom, you need to deal with those things head on. The pain of the past. Deal with it. Everybody say deal with it. Deal with it. Don't hold on. Don't think. Don't believe the lie. Because I'm telling you something. The enemy wants to trick you into thinking you can carry all of this stuff, all of this baggage, and it won't affect you. I'm telling you something. It gets into your blood and affects everything about who you are. Jesus wants you free of that. Third thing is just keep a check on how you are dealing with relationships. This is the key to all of this. Keep a check on how you are dealing with relationships. You know, for me and my personality, I'm an introvert. I, uh, I naturally just, uh, I put a wall up. It's just, I, I was just kind of like this as a kid. And... Uh, I'm just like this, but I have to work against it because sometimes introverts, one of the weaknesses, and it's good to be aware of who you are, one of the weaknesses with introverts is they think the whole world is against them. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? Or you extroverts don't even know what that feels like, well, because you're just like too busy being extroverted. Well, us introverts, we think, oh, the world's against us, you know, and what it tends to do is you you put these walls up. Um, But for me, I know that I'm actually doing something wrong when I'm starting to cut people out all the time. Okay, you need to keep a check on how you're doing relationships. The only reason I'd start cutting stuff people out is actually because I'm, I'm dealing with something in my own heart. Could be offense, could be, you know, unforgiveness. It can be all sorts of things. It can be hurt, can be pain. Even, even for me, when I'm stressed out, I, it's like sometimes it's not a negative thing. But men, we don't often realize we're going through something. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's like... I'm just grumpy. He's like, well, there's something going on. Maybe it's that, it's that problem over there that's actually messing you up a little bit. No, it's not. I'm fine. <laughs> Anybody else like that? I'm just, okay. But keep a check on how you're dealing with relationships, okay? This is how you know that there's stuff going on. We're cutting people off. There's silence. We're not talking. We're not talking about stuff. We're not dealing with it. We're not actually going into the pain of what it actually is causing us in our hearts. We're not, we're not talking about some of the moments where we can't get to work on time because we're depressed. Or we, we're not talking about all of these things because we, 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 we don't want to deal with it. Another, another way to keep a check on how you're dealing with relationships is um, if you're finding yourself talking a lot about people behind their backs okay like it just it's just it's a natural thing 
And I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. Like, you know, we, we, okay, we, gossip is a thing and it is bad. But, but it's not about the gossip so much. It's about what's causing it. What is it in a person? What is it in us that would cause us where we're just... The whole exchange of all of our relationships is about other people and what they've done. And you will often find it's about what they haven't done right. Even if it's something that's sort of light and sort of funny, it's just what they've done. Do you understand? That's a check. That's actually a red light going off. There's a problem. There's There's a problem here. There's something not right. And, and there, is, there, is, there, is, there is something that you're allowing in your life that you need to deal with, some sort of unforgiveness, some sort of offense, some sort of thing that, that is causing you to act in this way. Cutting people off, that silence when there should be dialogue, talking behind backs. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.